we got the alternative energy free autonomy and welcome to the radioactive show produced at the studios of 3CR Melbourne and heard nationally on the community radio network the radioactive show has been produced on the lands of the Wurundjeri Woiwurrung people of the Kulin Nation I give my respect to elders past present and future sovereignty has never been ceded I'm Emma Crunch on today's show I caught up with three organisers from ICANN, the International Campaign to Abolish Nuclear Weapons, Jem Rummeld, Jamila Rushton and Jesse Boylan. We spoke together over Zoom. Wonderful to have three ICANN organisers join our radioactive show today and I know that you've all been organising in the anti-nukes movement for many years. I'm joined by Jem, Jesse, and Jamila. I'm going to hand over to you. Could you introduce yourselves, your role in ICANN, and just a bit of a sense of your prior organising in the nuclear free and peace movements? Let's start with Jem. Thanks, Crunch. So wonderful to be on the Radioactive Show and with my excellent colleagues, uh, Jamila and Jesse. And I am currently the director of ICANN in Australia and um, I've been a part of the campaign for almost a decade now. And that means my role is basically to, I guess, guide the direction of the, the campaign and 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 do the, the work of the organising, whatever we've set our priorities to be and there's always of course much more that we want to do than we than we can do um so yeah I I I work across all areas of the campaign um yeah I like to think of it sometimes as jack of all trades master of none um but yeah I've also been involved in other uh, nuclear free organizing including uh, with friends of the earth and organizing radioactive exposure tours um out to uh SA and the NT uh, and also was a producer on the Radioactive Show. Um, and I worked with Australians for War Powers Reform for a spell. Um, so, yeah, I've, I've done a few different things with nuclear themes over the years. And it's a it's a real, um, it's really wonderful to be part of the, this movement. Thanks, Jem. And how about you, Jamila? Thanks, Crunch. Um, it is so lovely to be on the call with all of you today. Um, my, my role in ICANN now is campaigner, so a bit like Jem, I'm a bit here, there and everywhere, and that can be anywhere from organising alongside communities who want to volunteer and get more involved in the campaign and working alongside our partner organisations who are also supportive of Australia joining the Nuclear Weapon Ban Treaty um, and also making sure that we are meeting with as many people as possible at all levels of government to to talk about this work. So it's pretty varied. Um, I have been involved in nuclear-free organising probably for about eight years and I actually met Jem and Jesse on my first foray into um, this work on a radioactive exposure tour um, and I feel very blessed now that we are all working together. And, yeah, also have been involved with Friends of the Earth, um, as particularly around um, supporting First Nations groups in SA to fight nuclear waste dumps. 
Yeah, I um, am Jessie and it is truly wonderful to be here with all of you and to now be working for ICANN alongside these two wonderful humans. Um, I'm doing the uh, new media and communications advisor role um, and I only just started in January, so I guess I'm still figuring out my role, but I, the aims of it is to primarily amplify the work of ICANN and also the interconnected stories through both traditional and social and other forms of media and storytelling. Um, and my history in anti-nukes and this movement um, came first as a young kind of photographer. Um, I got involved with anti-nukes through the Friend of the Earth radioactive, radioactive exposure tour Um when I was studying photography and, yeah, has, have since kind of used my my art and storytelling um, alongside and along with the, the campaign since then and that's that's taken many forms. And I've also, yeah, been a producer on the Radioactive Show and, yeah, continue to work on on these, these issues. So, yeah, it's a pleasure to be here with you all. Mm, thank you. I think it's such a strength of the movement that people have um, remained working in the space and building on the connections and relationships and also in that um, change of roles and organisations, it just adds to the feeling of a kind of weaving together of um, groups and people across the years and it's really valuable to have that background. So thanks for sharing those. Yeah, I think one of the things that um, I love about ICANN and, and look forward to doing more with ICANN this year is celebrating and kind of amplifying the voices of First Nations and other survivors' stories because obviously nuclear weapons to some people are still a kind of far-off, distant, abstract concept and to many others in the world across Australia, the Pacific and, and internationally, they're a very real um occurrence and something that still haunts them to this day and we we have that history here in Australia and I think people still forget that we that we participated in in nuclear weapons tested and hosted the British to test um, nuclear weapons on Aboriginal land uh, without the consultation of Aboriginal people and to this day many communities are still living in the shadow of those tests and something that's coming up this year is the 70th anniversary of the first test at EMU in South Australia, at EMU Field in South Australia. And there'll be certainly a lot um, going on around that and to hear more from survivors um, about their experience and living with, you know, in intergenerational stories and health and social impacts from those tests. And I think... Um, from experience working working with survivors um, stories are their stories are so powerful and and they're the ones that are really leading the the movement for peace worldwide we can see that with Habaksha we can see that you know all around the world that that these survivors and the people that have kind of um, had these things subjected to them are the ones that are actually leading the call for peace which is such a powerful thing to to be working alongside as well thank you over to the work of 
ICANN specifically and of course ICANN's focusing on reading the word world of nuclear weapons and one of the recent key instruments of that is the treaty to ban nuclear weapons and I know there's been a recent um, anniversary of the treaty. Um, could you, Jem, share with us a little bit about the significance of that anniversary and what's coming up, what's on the cards for the treaty in 2023? Yeah, sure. Thanks, Crunch. So that anniversary was the second anniversary of the treaty's entry into force, which was on the 22nd of January, and that basically marks two years since the treaty became uh, a permanent uh, p- binding part of international law. So it's binding on those that have ratified it, which um, currently there are 92 signatories and 68 states parties. So for those 68 states parties, it means that the treaty is is in force and they have to abide by all of the obligations and the prohibitions in it. Um, and, of you know, those numbers go out of date quite regularly as more countries sign and ratify it. Um, which is excellent. We love to celebrate that. And so that that um, date uh, actually comes came a couple of years after the treaty came into being, which was in 2017. That's when the negotiations took place and around 140 countries participated in that um, with the vast majority of them supporting the treaty in some way. Um, and you know, many of those have subsequently signed and ratified, and many others are working on their working on their ratification instruments. And um, we, you know, we expect those numbers to grow. So the treaty is is going really well, and in the landscape, you know, the current international landscape around these weapons is pretty dismal. Um, there aren't there are not a lot of legal agreements that are um, really tracking well, and I think we saw that with the uh, review conference of the non-proliferation treaty last year at which the the countries there couldn't even agree on a very weak outcome document um, and it's you know broadly considered that that treaty has progress on that has largely stalled particularly on the disarmament part of it um, so this ban treaty is intended to really breathe new life into the movement for the elimination of nuclear weapons so we we don't just want to see you know, the control of nuclear weapons or de-alerting or uh, agreements not to use them first. We want to actually see the work done to get rid of them completely, to um, compel the nuclear armed states to to actually take their disarmament commitments seriously. Um, so, so that's sort of the motivation behind the treaty also, you know, to fill the legal gap whereby other terrible weapons were outlawed but nuclear weapons were not. Um, so mm. it's, you know, it, it's trying to do a lot of things but we know that it will it will take time for it to work international law doesn't have work instantaneously um so you know this year we've got many big plans for it of course um probably a big one for the calendar will be the second meeting of states parties uh which there was the first meeting of states parties last last june and the second meeting will be in new york uh at the end of november early december um, and yeah, we expect to see a fair bit more progress by then. And um, ideally, we, we'd love to see us, Australia joining that meeting as a signatory. Um, it's unlikely mm. to be a state party yet, but um, we're certainly campaigning for Australia to sign on to this treaty in, in this term of, of government and for ratification to 
take place in the subsequent uh, couple of years. Okay, great. So um, in terms of the progress of Australia um, joining onto the treaty, I understand that first steps were made with um, sending a delegation last year and then so following that you're hoping for them to have signed, our government to have signed by the meeting this year and then that leads to ratification. Um, Jamila, you you went to the meeting last year. I remember we spoke to you on a radioactive show um, and I've seen that there's been some media recently about that decision to send a delegation um, to last year's conference. Is Jamila or Jess, you in your media role, have you um, got any insights on how within the ALP um, different MPs are supporting or otherwise moving towards signing the treaty? Thanks, Crunch. Um, Yes, just thinking back to Vienna and um, how wonderful it was that Australia did send a delegation, Um, the media recently um, brought to light that um, the incoming government had received advice from DFAT, the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade, against sending a delegation and, and against sending a parliamentarian as the head of the Australian delegation. Um, and so we are even more pleased than we were last year when they um, announced that they would actually um, send a send a delegation to the meeting. Um, this was a decision that many ICANN supporters and peace activists across Australia had been calling for, um, had been working to achieve um, by asking their MPs to raise this as a key a key moment and ensure that Australia was, was represented. So we were thrilled when they attended and we were even more thrilled to see, um, yeah, that, the, that Senator Wong as a decision maker um, was able to see the benefit of sending, sending a delegation and realise the appropriateness for Australia to be there. Um, and, yeah, so we know that, um, you know, there was people in within the party also working to to make sure that happened. And um, yeah, we know that there is support for this um, this treaty within now the Albanese government, um, and we have seen that since since then as well with the um, uh, with Australia changing its position um, later on last year. So there was a vote at the United Nations where um, previously. Australia had voted against a motion that supports the Treaty on the Prohibition of Nuclear Weapons. Um, and this year it was sort of more of an abstention. So it's not a full support, full steam ahead like we would absolutely want to see. Um, but it is a small step um, that we see as being important to, to moving Australia I- into a position where they will sign and ratify the treaty. Um, and, yeah, I think that the next meeting of states parties in November this year will be another really important time for Australia to engage with the progress of the treaty and how um, the states that have um, ratified and are working on its um, implementation are collaborating together. I think that'll be a really important um, step for Australia to take to go again and hear from hear from the people that have committed to this treaty how, how they're making it work. Hmm. Is it is it a given that we will send a delegation to this next um, meeting? And what would it take, do you think, in 
terms of lobbying and community pressure um, to actually be coming into the meeting in November with Australia having signed on. Um, what's ICANN's strategy for cranking up that pressure? Yeah, it's certainly not a, a given uh, that Australia will be there or that Australia will be there as a signature. Um, it will, of course, take community power, people power, community organising um, at you know all all different um, areas of society, all different interests intersect with this because it is an existential threat that uh, hangs over all of us. Um, and you know, a lot of people, I think don't realise that while the Australian government is uh, very positive about its reputation on this issue and certainly the new government speaks beautifully about being very committed to nuclear non-proliferation and disarmament, which is really good to hear that it's um, it sounds very important to them. At the the moment we're we're on the wrong side of history and we're actually um, contributing to the problem by uh, by having nuclear weapons in our defence policy by claiming that uh, the nuclear weapons of the US somehow protect Australia, which is purely theoretical. There's nothing public that actually confirms that. There's there's nothing legal that binds us to to say this. Um, it is this, you know, extended nuclear deterrence um, theory that has been promoted by the nuclear armed states for a long time um, and it's it's time for Australia to, to move beyond that as the rest of the world is leading the way and doing. Um, and that would involve basically saying that we don't want anything to do with nuclear weapons, we don't want to support the concept of their use at all and we don't view them as a legitimate uh, form of defence in any way. So, um, but that position has been there for a little while and, and changing this won't, uh, won't be so simple. It, it won't be um, easy to, to shift the politics of that and um, to compel the government to, to take that step. I think we're in with a really good shot. Um, we have a really excellent political conditions in this new parliament and in this new government. Uh, there's, there are 107 parliamentarians in the federal parliament currently that have pledged their support. Um, there's a cross-party group of parliamentarians that support the treaty uh, the majority, I think 10 out of the 11 independent parliamentarians uh, indicated their support last year and wrote to the government. Um, so we have a, a really powerful window of opportunity that we're wanting to mobilise. Um, and and I think that will, that will involve everyone in whatever way they can support, whether that's um, talking to their union, getting their union on side or their professional association. You know, there are um, medical groups, student groups, all different kinds of um, civil society organisations that have a stake in this. Um, it could be advocating to councils. It could be advocating to state parliamentarians and, of course, the federal parliamentarians. Um, there are a few people in the Cabinet who can make this decision, um, but they won't do that without the support of the rest of the party and the parliament. So... Pushing, pushing that this year and in the next 18 months is, is really critical. Um, and, you know, I, I believe it's entirely possible that it will, um, that it will happen. Labor has committed since 2018 that they will in government sign and ratify this treaty. Um, and the prime minister has been quite vocal on this, um, on this issue. So Anthony Albanese has, has the power to make it happen. This will, this will be something that Australia is proud of. 
It will become part of our story as a country that, of course, we are a proud state party to this treaty, just as we are to all the other treaties that prohibit terrible weapons. Uh, but um, we're not we're not there yet, and we've got some some obstacles and some hurdles. Some people who don't want this to happen, who are who are fearful of what it will mean for the U.S. alliance, and you know, and we say that this is entirely compatible with the U.S. alliance. We just want to have a nuclear weapons free alliance with the U.S. Um, and that you know that will be positive for for this country and for the rest of the world, and it will take us one one step closer to getting rid of these weapons. You're listening to the Radioactive Show. I'm speaking with three organisers from ICANN, the international campaign to abolish nuclear weapons. I asked Jem Rommeld about ICANN's position on Australia's recent nuclear submarines purchase and how this purchase seems to clash with the Albanese government's stated intention to sign the nuclear ban treaty. Yeah, really good question, Crunch, and it's on people's minds a lot right now, especially as the government is considering the direction it's going to take with the proposed nuclear submarine acquisition. Um, for ICANN's part, you know, there's a lot of different ways, different different reasons to oppose this acquisition. Um, for, you know, what's in ICANN's corner is is really concern about uh, how it can how it will contribute to nuclear proliferation and uh, increasing the amount of unsafeguarded fissile material that is in the world and circulating around the globe um, so for Australia to get to get these submarines it means we have to use uh, a loophole in the non-proliferation treaty that hasn't been used uh, before it's totally unprecedented for a non-nuclear armed country to gain, nuclear-powered submarines, um, especially those that are fuelled with highly enriched uranium, which both the UK and US models are, and highly enriched uranium is is weapons-grade uranium. For Australia to acquire this, this material, uh, there it means entering into an agreement with the International Atomic Energy Agency that basically allows Australia to take this material out of safeguards, so not being looked, looked watched over by the IAEA and put it on these submarines, these mobile platforms to circle around the globe um, without much accountability. Now, you know, we're not that concerned particularly. We don't think there's a hidden weapons agenda here and that Australia wants to divert this material for nuclear weapons, but it sets a precedent that could motivate other countries to to get the same technology and the same material, and there have been a number that have piped up and said we're interested too in gaining um, nuclear powered submarines and if Australia is allowed to get this technology then why not us you know why have double standard um and it only increases tensions in our region as as well so you know there are many issues with this with this proposal um it's not necessarily uh, it it wouldn't bar Australia from joining the nuclear ban treaty as long as these submarines did not um contribute to the nuclear war fighting strategy of of the US or or the UK um but you know we we feel it's that, that it shouldn't go ahead also because of Australia has really taken part in efforts internationally to limit the amount of this kind of material that exists and the amount of countries that have it you know this highly enriched uranium um so it's quite hypocritical for our government then to say um you know we support this you know fissile material cutoff treaty which is something that has been on the has been proposed internationally for a long time, but then at the same time we, we want to actually 
be a, a new country to gain this material and and have it for these um, submarines. So it's it's quite hypocritical, um, and I think for many reasons it's it would be sensible for for the government to to choose a different direction. It's certainly not essential for Australia's security that we have nuclear powered submarines, um, and it's certainly something that um, would I think weaken our relationships in the Asia Pacific. Um, a number of our regional neighbours have been very unimpressed uh, with this proposal, especially Mal- Malaysia and Indonesia have been outspoken about this. Um, and it is seen as, as quite an, an aggressive move and something that contributes to, to tensions in our region. Thank you. Um, that really helps spell out some of the complexities there. Just finally, Jamila, is there anything you'd like to add in terms of other um, important campaigns that ICANN are running this year? Sure. Thanks, Crunch. Um, I think, as Jem mentioned before, there's always a need for people to be involved in every part of the campaign. So um, there's a number of ways that people can continue to be involved and and contribute to the broader aim of um, signing Australia up to this treaty. Um, There is our nuclear weapons ban advocate. So if people would like to sign up and um, become an advocate, where you're kind of reaching out to your MP, encouraging them to engage on the treaty um, and issues like the ones uh, Jem just mentioned, then, yeah, we can, you know, certainly um, get you involved, get people involved in that. Um, and I'll send through a link that you can include on, on the uh, show notes um, for being a nuclear weapon ban advocate. This group of people meets um, every couple of months to kind of share tips and um, help um, strategize around engaging with their MPs and other members of parliament. Um, there's also the ICANN Cities Appeal, um, which is um, specifically directed at local governments. So I think it's 42 councils in Australia have now called on the federal government to sign and ratify the Treaty on the Prohibition of Nuclear Weapons. Um, this is continuing to grow with, with people all over the country um, getting in touch with their local councils and um, encouraging them to um, take a stand on this issue because we know that cities are, you know, the civilian targets of nuclear weapons um, and so cities have a kind of crucial role to play in in kind of calling for their abolition and wanting to see safe cities everywhere protected from that threat. Um, and there will also just be a number of events and things that we'd love people to get involved with across the year and, and those will start to, to roll out in the next few months. Um, yeah, we, we'd love people to be involved and, and would love to see more people active in the campaign and um, working alongside our partners as well. Thank you to Jesse Boylan, Jem Rommeld and Jamila Rushton for sharing their insights on the show. Jamila just listed some excellent campaigns to get involved with. You can find out more from ICANN's website, icanw.org.au. This has been the Radioactive Show, produced for 3CR Community Radio in Nam, Melbourne, and heard nationally on the Community Radio Network. Thanks to the Nuclear Free Collective of Friends of the Earth Melbourne for their support. You can find our shows on 3cr.org.au forward slash radioactive. I'm Emma Crunch, and here's to a nuclear-free future.
So this is in the middle of the pandemic where this billionaire is suing the Pentagon for a military contract for what most people think is the place that you order books from. It's a very interesting case study in pulling out the different threads of militarism and how it can really be embedded in so many aspects of our lives that we don't even realize that when we order something from Amazon that we're putting workers' lives at risk and that we're supporting what is becoming an increasingly important actor in the military-industrial complex. Exposing that to people, I think, is very important. People will care if they understand that this is how things are all interconnected and linked. It's surfacing that information, it's making that accessible and making it relevant for people's lives. And I think that is another opportunity that COVID-19 really presents to us is that we are all connected and these structures are all connected. We can see that much more clearly now than we could before. We need to keep radical voices on air. Subscribe now. Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe or call the station on 9419 8377.